You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Good morning. A couple weeks ago, uh, myself and about 40 other people from Schweitzer went to something called the Global Leadership Summit. I see some faces in the room, people that were there with us. And uh, every year, uh, over at Ridgecrest Baptist Church, they host uh, this, this global conference that's, that's uh, broadcast across the world um, from a church in Chicago. And uh, it's, it's a, the most incredible speakers and entrepreneurs and just inspiring people from around the world that you get to hear speak. And so you've always got something to take home. Um, and quick, uh, quick plug for that, next year, it's a year from now, next August, but if you're a leader, if you consider yourself a leader or you ever want to be, you need to sign up for that, okay? Uh, so my take home this year was, was this quote, beware of the lollipop of mediocrity, lick it once and you suck forever. <laughs> I like this quote because it reminded me to strive for excellence. And albeit, I say that on a morning when I forgot to wear deodorant. <laughs> My wife had to bring it to me about, about 10 minutes ago, <laughs> and uh, it may have been too late. So if you come across me this morning and, and you catch a whiff of a smell or whatever, I, I'm sorry. All right, that's, that's what happened, okay? Uh, strive for excellence. I'm working towards excellence. It reminded me of the importance of growth as a Christian, the importance of not settling for anything less than perfection. It, it reminded me of that verse in, I think it's Matthew 5, 46, where Jesus says two extremely profound and stifling words, be perfect as your heavenly Father was perfect. It reminded me that God did not save me from the pits of hell in order to remain as I was before. That Jesus Christ did not give his life for me so that I could stay the same person that I was before. You see, in a world that tells us that fundamentally people don't change, what I believe and what I know to be true is that people can change and that when we give our lives to God, we do change. And so we can't be complacent. We, can't not set, we cannot settle. What we believe, this is so important, that what we believe is that when we give our lives to God day in and day out, and we surrender our will to his, that he will free us from the person that we used to be and that one day we look back on our lives, and even if we haven't seen the progress day by day, we will see that a year ago, we were different than we are today. Now, I hope that when I meet up with, with my buddies from the past, that they never say, Jake is, is the same old Jake. He's exactly how he used to be. That, to me, is not a compliment. That's an insult. And I hope that the people who know me best, who are with me every day, like my wife and my friends, I hope that they're the people that say a year from now, no, Jake has changed. Because what else are we living for? 
right? If we're just staying the same, what are we striving for? Do we believe that, that God has the power to change us? And not just a little bit, but a whole lot? Do we believe that his grace is more powerful than the temptations of Satan? Do we believe that the grace of God can, can turn us into the people that he created us to be? That's the gospel. And for that reason, we must strive. We must not be complacent. complacent. We must always be pursuing perfection. I didn't even plan on reading this this morning, and so the, uh, this, the words will not be on the screen for this specific text. But I don't think there's any other text that sums it up better than 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. So just listen with me. He says, By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Everything we need. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. That's the gospel. In view of all of this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith with generous provision of moral excellence. And moral excellence with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with patient endurance don't give up. Don't ever give up. They call that grit in the Global Leadership Summit. And supplement godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Now listen, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But those who fail to develop in this way, are short-sighted or blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their old sins. Change, progress, growth is the very evidence of our salvation. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's the evidence that God has a hold of our lives. So let's ask each one of us, let's ask ourselves this morning, am I changing? Am I open to change? Am I letting God mold me into who I was truly created to be? Or am I stuck in my ways? There's something else, though, that's very important to understand about growth, and it's this. That growth is severely limited apart from community. It's that, that person that you are designed to be, that complete and total person, that excellent person that God made you to be, cannot become that apart from Christian community. You see, there's, there's a difference between a personal faith. You know, my, I have a very personal relationship with God. That's a good thing. But then there's a private faith, and that's not a good thing. 
And you, you can read your scriptures every day and you can pray every day to God and, and maintain some you know, resemblance of, of a relationship with him. And you can you read books on theology and you can attend on Sundays and you, you can do these things and you can do them all privately in the sense that you never really have to share your, your life or your faith with, with anyone, even those closest to you. You never really have to talk about it. It's just between you and God. Or you can do that and I'm not... And you'll probably have a relationship with God. You'll probably experience him here and there. But what I'm telling you is you will never experience God to the fullest. You will never experience life to its fullest. You will never be able to grow like God wants you to apart from the fellowship with other believers. You'll never reach your full potential, I'd argue. You never reach your half potential or your quarter potential or your eighth potential apart from community. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. If you would open up your Bibles if you have them with you. Otherwise, just look on the screen to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. John writes this. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father, and then he was revealed to us. I want to pause there for a moment. We'll pick back up in verse 3 in a minute. Take a moment to consider who it was that was writing this letter. Think for a moment about John. The Apostle John, if you know anything about him, think about his life, think about his experience, think about where he's writing from and the context he was writing in. I think this is a really important practice that we not forget that, that these are not just words on a piece of paper, but that someone personally penned these words that we're reading. And the man behind that pen was literally one of Jesus' closest friends. Even among the 12 disciples, there were three, Peter, James, and John, that were even closer with Jesus. And he would only take those three to certain places. John was one of them. John was with him on, on the mountain when, when he was transfigured before God, and they heard the voice of God from heaven. John walked with Jesus. He talked to him. He learned with him for three years. John reclined on Jesus at the table. When Jesus hung on the cross, John was there, and Jesus, Jesus put John in charge of watching over his mother. That's how close they were. He said, John, Mary is now your mother, and Mary, John is now your son. He grieved in despair over the death of Christ, probably in utter confusion until he saw him with the other disciples with his own eyes and he's saying, man, we were there. I was there. I saw him. I heard him. I touched his wounds. 
And we watched him ascend into heaven. We were there, says the man who wrote this text. How incredibly powerful is that testimony? There are times in my faith where I doubt. I mean, even just, even just glimpses, even just moments where I doubt the existence of God. And I just I go back to passages like this. And there's only a few of them that are really like this, I think, in the New Testament. But it's just like, look, we were there. you got to believe us. And they, they put their lives on the line by saying so. They had nothing to gain. If you need another testimony like it, flip back just like two pages in your Bible and you've got Peter talking about it in, in 2 Peter, how, how we were on the mountain. He's like, literally we heard God from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. We saw him change before our eyes. We were there. And these men were killed for this testimony that they gave. Why is it, John says, that we tell you of these things? Here it is, verse 3. He says, we proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. John is saying, I know Jesus. He's my best friend. And I know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that he's the Son of God, and, and that I have the Holy Spirit, and that I share a communion with him and with everyone else who believes in him. And you can have this too. This is yours to have. You gotta know about what we saw and heard and experienced, because you can have that too. He says, for the sake of the fellowship. Now, this word fellowship is really important because it's more than just what we usually think of as community, okay? It's more than just the, the community of, of Schweitzer, generally speaking. Fellowship, it, it, the Greek word is koinonia, and it means a, a sharing of relationships, an interdependency on, on one another. It means intimacy, John says that's what it's all about. So that you can have fellowship with us and share the same fellowship that we share with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and that they've shared with each other for eternity. Fellowship is not just a matter of status. It's not just saying I'm a Christian. I believe in God. All right, or I'm a member of Schweitzer. That's not fellowship. Fellowship is a sharing of, of life with one another, a sharing of faith, an experiencing of God on a regular basis with each other, a giving of ourselves to one another and receiving of others, an opening up of vulnerability. That's fellowship. What I'm telling you is that I, I became a Christian in high school, um, reading a book alone in my basement, I gave my life to God. That's when I became a Christian. Um, yeah, I mean, my life was changed. I, you know, I'm a Christian now. Um, for six years, nothing really changed. Other than the fact that by status and by belief, I was a Christian. 
And I don't doubt that God had my life, that he had really taken my heart at that point in time, but, but what didn't happen is I didn't, I didn't get plugged into a church. I had no community of faith around me. I had no relationships with other Christians who were really uh, concerned about the well-being of, of my soul and sharing their lives with me. And so I just, yeah, I was a Christian, but I also got drunk five nights a week in college. And I just, I, I lived the life that I, I wanted to live. But I was a Christian. Six years went by, and I grew virtually none. I progressed virtually none in the faith. Until after coming to Schweitzer for, I don't know, five or six months, my wife and I decided to join a small group. It was, just, it was a very simple, intentional step. We just stepped in, and, it, it, and what I experienced in that small group was what it was like to pursue God with other people. And those of us in here that have experienced that know the power in pursuing God alongside other Christians who have the same goal, holiness. But if you don't know that, if you don't know the fellowship that happens there, I'm telling you you're missing out. If you're just a Christian by status, there is a, a limit to how much you can grow apart from community because what we find is that we find ourselves and we find God in other people, in our relationships with other people. Now listen to this, verse four. He says, we are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. That you may fully share our joy. You're incomplete apart from our fellowship. You can never experience the joy that we know apart from the fellowship. Now in that verse four, something that's really interesting is that um, in your Bibles, you'll probably see an asterisk next to it um, or something like an asterisk. And there's a little note, and if you read it, it says that uh, in some manuscripts, the word our is actually your. So, so let me, let me say it this way. There's a, a literal translation. The more literal one is um, that our joy may be complete. So what that means is that we are writing this to you so that our joy may be complete. And the other option is we are writing this to you so that your joy may be complete. In the original manuscripts in Greek, they say one or the other. And so we don't really know exactly what John wrote. It was either our joy or your joy. But what I find so interesting is that it doesn't matter. Is that it's accurate either way. Is that without you, our fellowship and our joy is incomplete. And without us, your life and your joy is incomplete. Without, apart from community, we will always fail to know God to the fullest and to become the person that he created us to be. I'm so grateful for every person in this community who's embraced that kind of fellowship and experienced it. I want to commend you and just say keep on going. We're going to talk even more next week about um, 
this unique type of community and fellowship that God wants us to have, how to love one another. And I understand that it can be really, really hard at times to do that. So just keep at it because there is virtually nothing more important than pursuing God and community in our lives. Okay, so if you haven't experienced that, um, I'm so eager for you to do so um, because our joy and your joy is incomplete without it. So at Schweitzer, it's important to us that this happens, and there's multiple ways um, through classes and groups and things as such where we want to make clear pathways for you to jump into this type of thing, where we can pursue God, where we can grow in the faith, where we can grow in relationships with one another, and we can do those things together. So this morning, as a very clear application, we want to talk about a new uh, GROW model, if you will, that we're implementing in the church, and it's very clear, and we want you to know some opportunities that are going to be coming up in the fall, okay? So let's go through these. Um, You'll see the model here on the screen. There's four circles, and it's very clear, okay? We have groups and classes, covenant discipleship groups, cell groups, and spiritual guides. Okay, now that first circle, groups and classes, what we're going to think of that as is learning the faith, learning about the Christian faith, All right, growing in our knowledge of godly things in the Christian faith, okay? And so learning is a huge emphasis there and information, et cetera, but it's not separated from relationships. In fact, most of these classes that we're going to talk about here in a minute, all three of them actually, um, you have kind of small group tables that you experience the class with, and there's a facilitator and leaders and and people who can really help guide discussion, and um, we've seen small groups come out of these types of things. I I mean, real fellowship and community happen within these classes. Okay, so the first of these is Alpha. Alpha starts um, on Wednesday, August 30th, which is just next Wednesday. It's an 11-week course, but the first week um, is kind of just a freebie. You get to show up and you get to decide whether or not you want to commit for the 11 weeks. Now, Alpha is, is really kind of, if you're exploring the Christian faith, if you're not quite sure yet about the existence of God, this can be for you and for friends. This is an evangelism tool, too. Just say, look, just come into a place that's non-threatening, non-judgmental, whatever, and just, just come and ask questions. I mean, literally, the... the uh, Alpha uh, quote or whatever is like, got questions, question mark? (laughs) So if you've got questions about the faith, come to Alpha and come to that free dinner the first night and just learn about it. The next is getting started in the Bible, all right? Getting started in the Bible is Wednesday nights. That starts September 20th. And here you can learn to better navigate uh, Scripture. It's fairly simple. Um, a lot of people have been Christians their whole lives, but um, are, find a hard time being in Bible studies or being in group studies or um, whatever because they're embarrassed about the fact that they don't know their Bible. Um, and I, I totally get that, all right? And so we don't want you to, to feel that way. And we want you to know the Bible. We want you to be able to use this as a tool that God wanted it to be to know him, all right? So this class could be really awesome for you. And that's led by Jeff Fugit, who's a great teacher, used to be a professor, and that's a seven-week study. The third is the Romans. And Romans, we're super excited about here on campus. Our, our Dr. J. Money Leininger uh, wrote this book. And uh, <laughs> uh, so it's like fresh off, hot off the press type of thing. We got a picture of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you see the smile on his face. Um, 
we are, we are proud of this man for the work that he's done um, in writing this book. And it's a, it's a look at, this is going to be a little bit of a deeper study than the other two that I mentioned. The book of Romans is the most comprehensive theological book in the Bible. Um, but we're going to go through that together as a church in the fall. And it's going to coincide with a seven-week sermon series. Um, we're going to get deeper even in the classes and go through this book in the, in the same time. We're going to learn a lot. And we're really excited about that. That one is going to be Sunday nights and Wednesday nights. There's going to be two options, and that starts on September 17th, okay? So that one's a little bit of a deeper study, but still open to all. All right, so those are our three main classes that we had in that first circle. The next circle you can see is Covenant Discipleship Groups. This is a a fairly new, it's brand spanking new actually, uh, small group model here at Schweitzer, but we're really, really Really excited about it. Um, kind of the main focus of this um, is accountability and community and what we would call watching over one another in love. Just learning how to really take care of each other's souls. All right, um, Through practicing the spiritual disciplines and checking in with each other on a weekly basis. Um, some of you are similar with life groups. They're similar to that, but there's some differences. Okay, um, And so rather than just asking you to say, jump right into a covenant discipleship group, here's what we're asking you to do. Um, is to come to a four-week class. And kind of like the, the Alpha Dinner, you can even come to just the first one if you want. It starts September 10th. I'll be leading this class. And it goes through October 1st. It's on Sundays immediately after church from 12 to 2, 12.15 to 2 o'clock. Okay, so lunch will be provided. Um, child care is provided. And child care is provided for all of these things, by the way. And food for, for most, if not all of them as well. Um, so come to that. We, I did one uh, four-week class in the summer. It went fantastic, and we've got a lot of these groups already launching, and we'll have more launching in October, okay? So please get uh, plugged into a covenant discipleship group. I want you to know as well um, that that is not for mature Christians, if you will, all right? Um, you don't have to be a, at a certain place in your faith to do that. I, I started doing something like it um, almost immediately when I got plugged into that small group, and I've committed my life to doing things like it until the day that I die. That's how important that I think that that type of relationship is and that we learn how to do it. And so please check those out. And then lastly, these, these two last circles, I want to say beforehand, um, you won't see them in your bulletin, all right? Um, and I'll talk about the bulletin here in a minute um, because they're not fully developed yet. We have cell groups and we have spiritual guides. Cell groups um, are... Not necessarily for the more mature Christian, but they're for the Christian who is more ready. It's, 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 a, it's a thing of readiness. I am ready to literally expose every corner and nook and cranny of my life to these few brothers or sisters who I'm doing this with. It's a readiness thing. Um, but it's an incredibly powerful experience. Um, I've also been in cell groups or something like them for a long time. Okay, and so we're going to be working on that to really get a framework around that model um, so that in 2018 we can roll it out, all right? And then spiritual guides is something that Bob Cassidy um, is working on, and we're really excited about this. This fall he's training about 25 people in the church who I think are just on their way to perfection, man. Like, hey, these people, um, they've been doing this thing for a long time. They're amazing Christians. They got a lot of life experience and, and spiritual experience and whatever. And these are one-on-one relationships where these people who are a little further along in the faith um, help people who are not um, to get, get past a wall. 
um, and to really experience a life, not just living for God, but living from God, where everything we do um, is just an outpouring of our relationship with him. And so that's the spiritual guide deal, and those will be more to come too. You'll be hearing more about those in the future. Um, but this morning, you've got your bulletin. I don't have one with you, but open up your bulletin, all right? And if you don't have one with you, grab one before you leave. On the first page, you're gonna see those four, first four options I talked about. And our hope is that everybody at Schweitzer this fall would do one of these. Just do one of these. Not two or three or whatever, just, just one. And some of you are already doing multiple of these and you've been doing them for a long time and like I said, this is good for you. But if you've never tasted this before, please do. When the band comes up, we're gonna send the offering baskets around and um, you can check a box if you're ready to make that commitment today that's what you can do you can pull out a pen in front of you you can check a box of whatever you're interested in um, and you can drop that in the offering baskets when they come by and you'll be contacted about how to you know when to show up to class and that type of thing Um, otherwise take it home and don't just take it home and leave it in your back pocket like I always do take it home and pray about it right actually pray about it God um, should I do this? Do I have time for this? Am I ready for something like this? And if you have questions, you can talk with any of us pastors after the service um, individually. I want to leave um, by sharing a scripture with you. In fact, it's a comp- compilation of Acts chapter 2 and chapter 4. Um, so I just kind of made it up, pushed them together. But these are, these are the words of scripture. And it's a description of the early church. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Day by day, they attended the temple together and broke bread in their homes. All who believed were of one heart and of one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had all things in common. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for this community and for all of the lives and faces and um, amazing individuals uh, that make it up. We long for us to have fellowship together. We long to draw more people into this fellowship, God, so that they might experience you and that we might experience you and each other in new and powerful ways. Thank you so much uh, for how you've blessed us through each other. And God, we pray collectively that more of that happens. We want this community to grow and to thrive and to become an unstoppable force in the world eyes, the ears, the mouth, the hands, the feet, the body of Christ that is so undeniably yours. The world would see the way that we love one another and know that we are yours. Hear our prayer, God. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.